I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, March 17th, 2020. Great year that it is. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers. We don't do buffalo speeches. We don't speak mysticism here. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we do step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. <clears throat> we will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do all right here live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams live on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. Our video streams live via Facebook Live on our group page and uh, and a bunch of others. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which puts it out as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, channel which is Let's Talk Native TV. Uh, so I encourage you to subscribe to our, our podcast. You can just search for Let's Talk Native with John Cade podcast and, um, and use whatever platform you, you care. Uh, you care to and uh, i also encourage you to subscribe to our youtube channel again which is let's talk native tv i am the show's host and producer i'm joined here in studio by jake proud who manages our audio and our video and i'm also joined in studio this week with a special guest ross john um look i've got to talk about covid19 and i got to talk about how it's impacting um, Native people, how it's impacting uh, the Seneca Nation, people who live here. Um, but I also want to do some, run some numbers, too. But, uh, you know, I guess I'm not sure what I should do first. Um, well, let, me, let me just run some numbers here. And I, and I don't know, Ross, how, how much you're following, like, the global implications right. of all this stuff. But I'm um, just to give an idea here. Um, today, uh, we will reach 200,000 people um, confirmed infected by the disease. Now, that is not even close to how many people are actually convict, uh, uh, you know, infected. These are that's just two hundred thousand people will have been tested and confirmed to have it. Um, that is up from one hundred eighty thousand just yesterday. Mm-hmm. And and again, the, a lot of these numbers are growing. These numbers are growing just because more people are being tested. But at the same time, the, the number of people being tested is growing. The number of people who are being infected is growing. So. The numbers are 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 kind of deceiving. So, out of the the ones who are confirmed are confirmed to have it, which is almost two hundred thousand people, um, seven thousand nine hundred and seventy two have died. Now, I realize that that's not all the people who have it, but just based on the numbers that you have, if you do the math, and the math is simple, folks, if you just take the small number and you divide it by the big number, so if you if you divide seventy nine seventy two by one hundred ninety nine thousand four hundred and thirteen, which is the number of people who are actually uh, confirmed infected, that means the mortality rate based on the biggest number possible, which which should be the most accurate, is four percent. Yeah, that's a scary number. Sure. Now. Again, that's only based on the number of known deaths associated with the disease and the number of known confirmed um, infections. Of, but that's that's globally. Here, the U.S., the number is is almost seven thousand people. By tonight, it'll be seven thousand people. Now that's up from forty two hundred yesterday. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not how many people have it. That's how many people have been tested and 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 uh, confirmed to have it. Just to put it that perspective, the United States has three hundred million people. Only about twenty five thousand people have been tested. So it's you know these numbers, you know while they're important, 
they i want to make sure that people understand you know so when i hear people say well look at all the hysteria over this we've only got uh, a couple of thousand people that that have it and and there's only been well right now again almost seven thousand people have it are confirmed to have it by test and there's been uh, 100, uh, right. about 106 deaths so far. And the mortality rate is up almost three times well, what, uh, but, but what the flu. Well, and, but, and that's, that's, right. what I, that's what I want to get to. I mean, because, again, the, the most accurate mortality rates can come from the biggest source of numbers, which is the global numbers. And, and so when you, if you do this number, if you, if you divide the, you know, the, the death rate in the United States or the, the 106, um, you know, uh, who, who been killed by this disease by the almost 7,000 people who have been tested, that number doesn't come out as 4%. It's lower, but I'll explain that a little bit later. Let me get to, get to New York, New York. The number of confirmed cases in New York state is 1,706. 1,706. That's up from 490 yesterday. Now, again, it doesn't mean that 490 were sick yesterday and 1,700 are sick today. No, that's just how many people have been tested and confirmed to have it. Um, and, there's, and there's been 12 deaths, deaths so far. Now, the reason I want, I, I think it's important to know, understand some of this stuff because we keep seeing people put up numbers about the flu. And we talked about it the last, you know, the, well, the first time we talked about this on the show. When people say, look, 60 million people had the flu and it killed 12,000 people. Do that math. If you divide twelve, if you divide twelve thousand, now look, I, I want to be clear here. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm just saying if you divide twelve thousand deaths by sixty million people with the flu, that comes to a percentage that's less than one tenth of one percent. If one million people in the United States are, are you know get this disease, and the death rate, even if it isn't four percent, if it's the, if it's three percent, that's thirty thousand people. Just out of one million, not sixty million. So when you ask that question, why are why all the hysteria? Because this is a very contagious disease, and it does have a higher mortality rate thus far, at least based on the numbers. That's that's the concern. Now, so why is the the mortality rate lower in the United States than in say Italy or or any place else? Well, let me explain this. It's not because Americans are healthier. <laughs> They aren't. <laughs> they aren't. And neither are Senecas or Mohawks. So, so just so you understand, aren't healthier. Here's the deal. The United States hasn't had a run on their hospitals yet. China did. Uh, I mean, other countries, Italy, they're, they're losing 20, 20 people a day in, in moderate-sized hospitals. Why? Because they got to decide who gets a respirator who doesn't. There, haven't been, there hasn't been enough people hospitalized based on the progression of this disease in the United States to make a run in the hospital. If, there's going to be a mortality rate even if people do go to the hospital. But the mortality rate will rise when people can't go to the hospital who need to. That's what that's, – I mean, it's really important that people understand the numbers. Um, and, and, and it's hard to, to take these numbers and draw any final conclusions because we're at the very, very start of all this. Right. And that's, what's, what, that's what people are missing in all this stuff. Again, let me, let me say this. Only about 25,000 people have been tested in the United States. I mean, there, I mean in Erie County – uh, you know the the county closest to to where we're at here, Western New York, the biggest county, you know, most populous county here. There's only about 13 people that have been confirmed, but they've only tested. I don't even know if they've tested 100 people yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how low it is. Now, that's that's so what people understand the numbers. This is a real concern. 
and you know anybody who says well this is terrible that i gotta stay home i don't know what the hell's wrong with your house that you can't stay there but there should be <laughs> nothing so terrible about spending time with your family folks so there's that all right now that i got that out of the way let, now let me <laughs> this is where, where you really come in <laughs> okay the seneca nation has taken um similar bold action that the that the state has taken uh, um they basically shut down most of their non-essential services right. um including and this is a tough one including not just the 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 uh, to say it's the main source of revenue is really downplaying it it is essentially the only source of revenue i know that you guys have gas stations and stuff like that but it is predominantly in in such a big way the 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 only source of revenue for this it, it is the public finance vehicle for the seneca nation it is and it closed yet yeah, what well, today or yesterday? yesterday yesterday at you know again this was the the statement from uh from Eight ricky o'clock. armstrong you know it uh it has decided to suspend operation of all nations gaming facilities effective 8 p.m today which was yesterday so there's that uh, now there's also what, what does that mean exactly well it means that the the income generation has essentially stopped sure yes it has um, and go ahead. but the but the expenses haven't. You're you're um, the Senate Nation is going to try to carry as many employees as possible for a paid administrative leave or whatever else. Right. I mean, um, right now this I mean, when this notice came out it was based on the, the recommendations by the Seneca Gaming Corp to close for a minimum of two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now you and I both know the likelihood of there being any kind of relief from this virus in a mere two weeks is. Probably slim to none. Right. So here's <clears throat> here's where I want to kind of jump in and say, you know, I'd like to discuss this and, and get some of this. It's not to scare people, but what I but I'm looking at is that we I'm obligated to try to give people information so that they can make rational decisions. What I'm seeing out there right now is nobody's looking at this rationally and saying that, look, I mean the way. The way that this, the Gaming Corp, Seneca Nation, we're doing it two weeks at a time. So there's a certain amount of dollars that we're no longer making that in two weeks, it changes the situation. I'm not saying, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but then now you have to start looking at some of the uh, social services systems that are out there. Even the more, the rather essential services. Right. Right. So this, again, in two weeks, you're right. You've got a different set of numbers to deal with. Not sure. only because the numbers for, for the virus are going to be different, but also you're going to have gone through a significant amount of the reserve you know, cash that you guys have. Right. And that um, I think that has to be clear. We had to deal with it, and we need to be up front with it, just like all, all other municipalities and, and um you know, businesses have to kind of deal with that. Now, you and I had a conversation, and of course, I always, I'm always going to come back with something that's a little bit, you know, I don't, it's not any bolder than what you would say. But uh, you had a conversation. We had a conversation, and you said that your your lawyers and lobbyists basically, you know, their first question to the Senate Nation, okay, what's your ask to the federal government? Right. I mean, what are you going to ask of the federal government? in light of what's happening because let's face it municipalities i mean all of the american divisions that part of the u.s federalism that i've talked about um they're all going to have their hand out in fact you know american citizens are going to have their hand out i don't know where what that means for for the average seneca and i don't know what that means for the seneca nation but when your lobbyists ask you that and when the lawyers who are going to present 
your wish list to the, to the federal government, or even the state government for that matter. I mean, even if you guys didn't have one thing carved out, I mean, look, the, the 800-pound gorilla in the room is this battle with the state over revenue sharing. Sure. You guys must have, it must be a half a billion, maybe $600 million. It's, it's, it's there, you know, half, just, a, half a billion. So that's sitting there. Right. So the ask of the federal government is, I got one. Why don't you do your effing job? Because this whole thing, and, and I've, we've talked about this, and you've joined me, and I've talked about it plenty on the show. This whole thing rests on the fact that the revenue sharing provision of the Seneca Gaming Compact is not legal under IGRA. Right. And but the Interior Department, which is the agency charged with this thing to, to determine whether a revenue sharing uh, agreement is legal or not, won't look at it. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they come back and say, you know, if you if the Seneca Nation and New York State come want to ask us to review it, we will. But if you, if you guys just ask, we we hate to just do it based on one. Part. That's like that's like telling somebody. And, and look, my first analogy, some people are going to think is, um, is irresponsible. But that's like telling, telling a, va- a rape victim, you can't bring charges in the courts unless the perpetrator agrees to, 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 for you to bring the charges. I, I agree with that analysis I mean, because that's, that's, like that's what if, it was. If somebody cheats you, right. I mean, that's like in any other kind that you cannot bring that person to, to, to the proper agency because they are breaching a contract or, they, or they're doing something illegal. Unless the person doing the, the illegal act agrees right. to be heard. I mean, so when, when, when anybody says, what do you want of the federal government? It seems like the first thing to be to say, do your damn job. Because we have a half a billion dollars that we can put to really good use, especially now. And frankly, we're probably going to need to. I mean, and, and I know this is, you You can't not, I realize that you can't commit to this, but me as an observer here, Ross, you're on council, so I understand. You, you can just sit there and nod. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. But the reality is, if push comes to shove, and you guys got a half a billion dollars sitting there, that is essentially an extortion payment that the, the, the state of New York is trying to get out of you, and you've got to say, well, New York State or the Seneca people. I don't think that's a tough decision, even if you're going to have to fight the New York fight New York State later on down the road, because this whole battle with with not just with the New York with New York State, but with the Interior Department is the same battle that all the Native peoples in Oklahoma and there's like twenty different, there may be even more, it's like twenty four distinct Native uh, territories that are fighting the state of Oklahoma right. over this stuff. There's there's a half a dozen I think in in New Mexico. This you know, and even though it's just the Seneca Nation here, there's still Oneida and Aquasasne that uh, that probably wouldn't would love to ride your coattails on getting rid of having to pay the state 25 percent of their net slot drop sure. so i mean so for me <laughs> when the lawyers and the lobbyists say what would you like out of the federal government well before we start asking for anything else just have them do their job and have them reel in you know andrew cuomo right i mean that, that would be the first ask well let me say this is that um you know, we are looking at that. To what extent that um, it is on the table as as we speak. Um, how hard we look at it, what kind of hurdles, we don't know yet. In two weeks, it's going to look different than it does sure today. Sure, it <laughs> and, and it's point, going right? to change in the urgency and all those kinds of things are going to play into it. But the justification for being able to tap into those kinds of funds are um, are just as far as... as oh, they're, they're as just even in the absence of this. Sure. But, but, but whether... It, what whether they're just is one thing. Whether it's necessary 
is is what becomes the critical issue. Well, it is that, and that's the way we look at it. But there's covenants again held with the banks, and we're going to have to overcome all those. Yeah, things. I mean, yeah, no, but and that's true. I realize that you, the way you have set this money aside, you know, there's there's a little bit of untying that has to happen right. because you you right. made some. You know, so, and I I get that, but. but we're hoping to have those discussions with uh, the state representatives and people and saying, look, you know, this is this is necessary for us. It's not, you know, this isn't something that we're asking on top of everything else. Well, the, well, the states are looking at subsidies and, and those kinds of things. Federal government are looking at, you know, to fuel um, uh, economic development and transportation and all the rest of this kind of stuff. They're making appropriations. Yeah, These are the funds that we have to work with in order to kind of help take care of, you know, our our municipality, so to speak, and our, and our people. And, and, and there's a lot that I want to talk to you about, about essential projects that, that you know, not just you, that you have advocated for and others, but, um, but I, I'm going to get to that later. There's a few things that I want to address specifically here. Now, one of the other things that, that I find a little disturbing is not only the mishandling of testing by, by Donald Trump, uh, which is it's, which is a huge issue as, as it relates to this, but but now that there there seems to have been uh, you know the logjam broken. I mean, first off, you know Trump um, refused the offer by the the World Health Organization to utilize their testing procedures and right. to mimic their testing. They said, no, we're going to create our own, and of course that didn't work out. But so now you've got not only the CDC that's developed testing, you've got um, private labs, and you've got so you've got. The county that has labs, you've got the state that has labs. There are uh, labs are contracted with that are that are you know you know private company labs, and of course there's this, the CDC. One place that that cannot do tax, uh, testing, um, and I'll define what testing is, is the Seneca Nation Clinic, but the the medical center that services essentially you know eight to nine thousand right. Seneca people. Here's the problem that I have with that. I know the Seneca Nation isn't going to do COVID nineteen testing. But they don't need to. All they need to do is the, what they call the test kits, which is a swab up the nose, stuck in a test tube, put in a baggie with a label on it, and sent to a lab. Now, the fact that, that you can't get enough cooperation out of the, the county, the state, or the federal government for, for your clinic, with ha, which has really good personnel. I'm not, this is not right. a criticism of the Seneca Nation at all. So, I'm not, I'm not, and so anybody who takes it that way, because a few people did t- take it that way when I, I raised this issue earlier. I'm saying there's no reason the Seneca Nation, for those people who are who are definitely have underlying conditions and are feeling the symptoms are, that, that are symptomatic of, of of some of the features of this this disease, that there's no reason that the Seneca Nation can't take the samples and have access to one of the you know the levels of, of laboratory uh, right. that are available and and I and I assume that this is something that you guys are fighting for at some level, but I'm going to tell you right now. I would definitely play the race card in this one yeah. because if they don't, if they don't allow the Seneca Nation to to submit samples and 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 if they have a specific way they want to, then then, then give. If you had a kit, a sample kit, not a test kit, but a sample kit, then then give us some. And if you don't, then you're then you're racist. I, I I'm not afraid to say that. You know. Right. Well, you know they're directing us to again through the CDC, through Indian Health Services, and all the rest of those kinds of things. Um, we are doing our best to try to get test kits available again. Um, but again, we're going to have to send them out to labs. 
But that's but they're all doing that. I mean, Erie County has been doing testing for Monroe County because Monroe County didn't have the capability. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of cooperation amongst the non-native, uh, you know, right. uh, you know, divisions. But 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 there's no reason that that you can't have staff that draws the samples and and has and, a, has a conduit to get. And, to and I agree, and we are trying to work. T- towards that um you know we have the emergency uh, management services all the clinical services and them trying to wait in the wings to be able to kind of put that kind of um um, testing uh, capabilities in play i mean there are some areas of new york that are doing drive-through testing right i mean literally you drive up you roll your window down somebody with a mask shoves a swab up your nose take it puts it and gets your information puts it in a bag and, and i mean if if it can happen on the roadside it certainly should be able to happen doing the roadside. If you don't want to bring people in the clinic, do it in the parking lot. I don't care, but there's got to be some means, you know, because I understand we there is a concern about the spread of this thing. And, and you know, and Jake and I talk about it all the time. This isn't necessarily to stop the spread. It's about slowing the sure. spread down. Because the biggest concern is that if this thing continues to ramp up the way it's ramping up, that eventually... Um, county, state, and and federal, uh, you know, uh, hospitals, you know, any any of the hospitals, private, that you're going to run out of beds. And let's not forget that the powers that be in this area shut down the closest hospital to the Seneca Nation. Sure, the one that private that in a large way was is was the first responder or at least a second responder beyond the Seneca Nation Health Clinic. That I mean, that's the emergency room that that people had to go to, and now. Right. That's shut down. I know there's talk about that opening up too, but but so the Lakeshore, what is it called? Tri County, Lakeshore, Lakeshore, yeah, Lakeshore, Lakeshore Hospital. Hospital. I mean, so you know, you you add this stuff up, and you're and you know, we always talk about what is short sighted. Closing a hospital down is short sighted because you're not thinking about the people really, and just to say, well, well, you can drive farther. You know what? It's not as easy, and especially if you can't breathe, right. it's one of those things that you know, it's one of those essentials is, is breathing. And, you know, and the biggest concern that people have is there's going to be such a run on hospitals that there isn't going to be enough respirators uh, and, and oxygen, whatever is going to be needed, because there is no treatment for this disease. So anybody listening, there's no treatment and there's no cure. The only cure is within your body. And the only way your body can fight it off is if you stay alive. So, yeah, we, you can take Tylenol for the fever. You can take, you know, you can take fluids to to keep your your body hydrated. You can, you know, suck on lozenges to make your throat feel a little bit better. But at the end of the day, the the fever in the throat isn't what's going to kill you. What's going to what's going to hurt people is not being able to breathe because that's what not only is there a, you know the idea of dying because you can't breathe, but the lack of oxygen weakens the whole immune system. And so all of the underlying conditions, everything from diabetes to liver to kidney to, to heart to, you know, any of that stuff, not just, not just lung ailments, that, that can be exasperated by, uh, by not having, you know, by not being able to, to breathe and get enough air. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I know a few diabetics that were in care for uh, kidney failure and those kinds of things that were sent home to make room in the buffalo system for a possible run of this virus yeah and they in in normal circumstances they would have uh, still been there yeah now the question is what happens when when they contract it i mean and because look the testing just provides the information 
I mean, when we when I do all these numbers and I throw all these numbers out there, make no mistake about it. This is going to continue to spread. Sure, testing doesn't stop this thing from spreading, and slowing it down doesn't stop it from spreading. It's about the velocity by which it is. I mean. We don't know. I mean, we can't sit here and say how many people are going to be infected. Because I'll tell you one thing. Here's another issue. There are some people who may have already had this and have and have survived it. If you look at the numbers right now, I mean, they, they come from uh, you know a couple of websites. According to the, to the the data, based on the the people have been tested, only eight people in the United States have survived this. We know that's not true right? because there are a whole lot of people who have probably already had it, their body fought it off, and they will never be tested. They will never. And so there's a lot of numbers that will never show up. There will never be a, a, a statistic on this thing. And, you know, there may be people who, are dying, who, who, who were being treated for the flu over this past month who didn't have the flu. They might have had COVID-19. And, and we'll never know. And, and, that, and that may not seem to be a problem. But, but but this is the thing. Not only are there people who will never have been tested, there may be people who have already passed away during this last month that that their death is not being associated with COVID. So there's a lot of numbers that are going to slip through. Nothing is going to be completely accurate. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because of the of the failure of testing and you know a, a health system that's that is not very good. Right. Well, one of the things I just want to mention, you know, before uh, before the break here is that um you know, there's still a lot of people that aren't taking it serious well, because they're basically saying, well, I'm young and I, you know, this and that, and I'm not in that uh, area of concern, you know, as far as health goes. But what people aren't understanding is that it's not them we're worried about. It's about them infecting people that aren't and passing it on. So what people need to understand is that don't carry your life on the way that you have because other people matter. Yeah, somebody could die because of your behavior or be infected and uh, severely uh, in, in handicapped for, for your behavior. So, you know, keep this thing in perspective. You'll, you'll, you'll probably be fine, just like the pictures of all those people in the bars at the St. Patrick's Day and all that kind of stuff. But they truly did not understand that um, they may be fine, but they could very well contract this to somebody well, else. And, and, and here's, the, here's the way that works. If you have it, there's there's a number and there's a oh, there's an acronym for it. I don't know what the is for for how many people everybody could spread it to. Sure. What is it? R not. R not. Right. That's that's it. So the the R not. This number is you know and again it's, it's hard to calculate on the fly. But there's a certain understand the the contagiousness of this this disease and how much contact you have. And, and of course, that R-naught number varies depending on whether you live in a city or whether you live in a rural area. But it isn't just that you could get grandma sick. Right. You could get somebody, you could, you, you could pass it on to your children or your nieces or your nephews who they may get grandma sick. Or I mean, somebody else's grandma sick. Or somebody sick. else's, yeah. So, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, there's, there's a, look, the reason that when I made the announcement that I wasn't going to be going to New York anyway, any, any, anymore or anytime soon, it wasn't because I was afraid of getting sick. I mean, I'm, I'm, even though I'm old enough to fit into the risk zone, I'm pretty healthy and I don't have any underlying conditions. But here's the thing. I've got two people at home that have COPD. Mm-hmm. If I bring that home to them, one of them's in, you know, one is in their 70s. I mean, this is, this is a guy who's at, who's at, this is my father-in-law. He's, he's absolutely at risk. And so 
it would be about me possibly bringing this back not only to my home, but to my community. So that was my concern. I mean, the concern wasn't whether I thought I could survive a trip to New York City. Half of the people in Western New York who have this disease, who've been who've tested positive, got it from New York. Right. I mean, and I stopped going. On the fifth was the last day I went. Honestly, I'm still within that 14 day period today. If, if I if I suspected, and I didn't run into anybody in New York, but I, I'm on a I'm on a train, I'm on I'm on subways, and I'm on a bus. Right. One of those trains coming back from New York, the Chicago train that you and, and I usually take back from New York, and that's why I'm sitting over here, John. <laughs> well, and I'm, I, you know, we did this. We, we're, this is what do they call it? Social, social distancing. Yeah, yeah, we're, or anti-social distancing. Right. <laughs> but no, that's why we're doing it. All right, hey, we're at the bottom now. We'll, we'll take a break. We do look. We want to talk about some more of this, but we also want to talk about how this should change our view, not only about things that we are doing, but things that we should be doing. And, and hopefully we'll be doing. So we'll talk about that when we get back. This is John King with Ross John. And this is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. I do have Ross John in the studio, but before we get to back to Ross, let me again thank my sponsors. Frankly, Ross is one of them. So let me <laughs> let me thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises, um, the folks at uh, Grand River Enterprises, and uh, the folks at Cat Res. I want to thank these guys for stepping up and, uh, and joining on our sponsors list. And I also want to thank all of you who share the show. And I, I know it's easy to get excited when we're talking about, you know, you know, fights in Cuyuga territory or roads, roadblocks in, in Tandanega. But this stuff is important. And I try to talk about something every week that should be a conversation that we continue. And that's what we're trying to do here. So, uh, uh, again, I appreciate all of you who share the show, share the podcast, the, the videos, all that stuff. Uh, Facebook, you know, um, shares all that stuff. Um, I, I, I appreciate that. That's your part of the program and you're part of the sponsorship, essentially, you know, by being a listener. So, uh, so I appreciate that. Um, all right. Let me get back, to, back to it. Ross, I, you know, there's been a few people, and your wife is one of them, that have said, you know, what can what can be the positives that we take out of this? I mean, how can we look at this thing? You know, for one thing, having time to spend with your children and grandchildren it shouldn't drive you crazy. If it is, then you know, maybe you got to rethink your priorities. So that's one of the positives, obviously. Right. But there's also some lessons to be learned here. You know, there's a few things that the Seneca Nation um, has gotten involved in um, that are almost ancillary to to gaming and selling gas and cigarettes and that kind of stuff you know the energy stuff i mean a windmill a solar a solar farm um trying to take a look at at, at energy sustainable energy that goes beyond the utility utility scale i know this is a conversation that that's how we 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 actually formed uh, a company to try to look at doing you know sustainable energy first nation sustainable energy. yeah so i mean this is something that we've talked about and it it was also involved in 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 uh, agriculture uh, you know um, you know, hydroponics and, and aquaculture, a lot of other things that we we were we did some homework on. We you know we we did some fringe projects. We did a few, um, but the, this is a place that the Seneca Nation has almost gone to some extent kicking and screaming. I mean, look, they they they're good at doing the big projects and spending lots of money and that, but 
the 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 scale that we that we've talked about the idea of residential wind residential solar and you know trying to get people um uh involved in 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 sustainable energy in a way that creates more along the lines of independence and i'm not saying Mm -hmm. independent from the seneca nation but but just a greater scale of independence i mean let's face it the problem with with the two big energy projects that you have is they're still using the outside grid Yes, and 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 it relies on you know the state, um, you know credits it's, and you know it's uh, about revenue revenue generation, right? It's not about providing energy to Senecas. Right. I mean, I, you guys are using some of the energy. I get that from uh, uh, you know, if well, not directly, it's, it's indirectly discounts basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but 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 at least that's the thinking that's in the right direction. Now the other place you know I, I talked about hydroponics, but just agriculture. I mm-hmm. mean, I know that the the farm project that uh, that you've advocated for and others have, um, oftentimes is a, is a challenge to get other people to realize the value. I mean, if there's one thing that should be learned through all this is that I, I did a show last week, for instance. Mm-hmm. I did a show and I and I kind of mocked and not to downplay COVID nineteen, but I called it COVID fourteen ninety two. And it, I called it the, the plague of assimilation because we have not maintained some of that distinction, some of that independence that we had for thousands and thousands of years. Right. So food sovereignty, which is something we've talked about and, and now, be, now is a bit of a more of a, um, you know, it's common in the vernacular. But food sovereignty, the idea of, of being able to produce at least some level and, you know, this, this relatively small farm project has demonstrated some of that. Sure. And, and beyond that, you know, there are people like yourself and, and others who, who have done more with white corn beyond the, the, the Seneca Nations project. So there are people that have begun to step up, but we're not nearly where we need to be. No, we're, far, we're a long ways off. But, uh, you know, again, this is something that will hopefully um, enlighten people to reason why. Look, right now um, the farm program is... Um, in a position to help feed people within the Seneca Nation, you know, and, and with its basic staples. Right now there's corn, there's 2,000 pounds, you know, that's in one uh, uh, drying bin, and then in the next one there's uh, two, 3,000 pounds of braids. There's 50-pound uh, bags, almost 40 pounds of 50-pound bags, and we're starting to look at the growing season coming along. There's other corn vendors or people, farmers in the area that we could also get the same kind of white corn or different kinds. There are people that have put up also quite a bit of roast corn. People had a, have a hard time because it's, it is about the independence. And I realized that it's a kind of a shock to the younger generation. But when I talk about a younger generation... I'm talking about people in their 40s. Yeah, you're not talking about kids here. Yeah, 40s yeah, yeah. and back. Yeah. And so the idea of going back to homesteading and where, where a family takes care of a, a property, not just plug and play, there's where that and, assimilation. And try to live, live a certain, at, a, at a certain level sustainable from that, from, from that right. parcel. Yeah. Right. And can you feed yourself? You know, and, you know, I'd like to uh, say that I know a number of people, including uh, my family, I hope, it w- would be able to very well go get through this for years and years and years. I mean, you, you've got sons who are, who are hunting, so I mean, there, there's, there's venison, there, right. there's turkey, there's, there's, all, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Now, is there, 
is the Seneca Nation sustainable? No. Are the, are the Seneca people? No. But but, but our individuals, right. and there's a place. Right. At least, look, if you put in a garden in this year and you eat good, healthy food, even if it's only for a couple of months, that's better than what you did last year. Right. And, and so that's, that's well, the whole point, to get to a place, right? But there's a... To get to that place also is that right now the Seneca Nation is looking at bringing in trailers, freezer trailers for the access that they won't be able to, to now um, be able to cook and, and supply to gamers and the casinos and those kinds of things. But that'll have its run. Yeah, you know, and then well, and, well, in fact, I mean, I see that in some of the the Seneca Nation's material, Seneca Corporation, there obviously you have some. You, there's food, yeah. That, the, that um, the both the bingo halls and the casinos and 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 different age, other agencies yeah, that have yeah. that now are becoming something that could be uh, a service to to the Seneca people. I mean, right. uh, if if the casinos are shut down for a couple of weeks or. Or for for eight weeks, I mean, which may be the case. Um, there's food that should be put to use, and right. but you're right; it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be cooked for them. I mean, there there may be some things that have to be. I don't know, but but to some extent, they should be put into a removed from the casino, right? Or from from the those enterprises, put someplace that they can be, you know, coupled with whether it's the USDA stuff that you guys have and something, mm-hmm. and and you know, packaged up or, or divided up so so especially the neediest Seneca families right. can have access to it. But but you're right. That's there are some short term things that have to happen for that to happen. But there should be a longer term view, which right. is kind of what the farm and, project and, is. But that's there. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're looking at and and getting people to really recognize because now you even see the shortcomings is that we've put off the, our funding for what would be our uh, our cannery and our processing where we would freeze food but it also what we're really lacking now is coordination of storage space where is it going to go where's all the dry storage going to go where's all the stuff that needs to be refrigerated we're making headway we're bringing in trucks Mm -hmm. but we do have a number of buildings like you said aaa all of our athletic uh, ccc acc you know our uh, elderly uh, facilities and all those kinds of things have refrigerators now that we can put into play but but there should be a longer term plan is that and there's only so much refrigeration that you're going to do and then some of it is back to that basics of dry corn yeah you know where's all those staples and what are we going to use as a staple for you know that nutrition and then how are we going to dispense the protein that we have we've also talked about um maybe going out we have shock boats basically for our um our uh fisheries and stuff like that hatcheries yeah, yeah yeah you know it may be wise for us to go out and uh get a thousand pounds just in case people need protein now mm-hmm. it's not gonna be fish fries <laughs> yeah, this is fish sticks no, yeah this, this is, is gonna, the, yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, gonna yeah, get yeah. that could be fillet of fish and this right. is gonna be people are gonna who haven't perhaps cooked fish in their entire lives or for the first time gonna have to learn how to do that right and that's a curve right and yeah but i hope people aren't afraid of it because but but, it, but it's this but, is this is the time to i mean look i know with this with this disease you know this this virus going around it may seem like a desperate time but let this we're, we're going to survive this right i, I mean and, and but not without injury right but this should be a teachable moment for where we should go not and if we survive this we shouldn't say well we got that one in the rearview mirror that's right. never going to happen again you and i are i mean we've talked a lot about the possibility of 
economic calamity, climate change, um, social unrest, political unrest, global conflicts. We never even threw a pandemic into the mix. Mm, Shame right. on us for not thinking of that. I mean, it's not like th- that's never happened before. But it makes all the sense. It now. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a lesson to me. Right. I mean, because, you know, look, you see, you know, uh, you know, SARS and MERS and uh, Zika and Ebola. You right. see all these things happening. But and, and then you realize the, the things that we, we look, we buy so much of the food that we eat. I mean, and, and it's not even just um, the protein stuff. Right. I mean, think about the fact that that romaine lettuce was dangerous to eat. How mm-hmm. the heck could you screw up? You know how you screw up romaine lettuce? You spray crap on it for uh, on the fields for fertilizer. Right. I mean, there it was some of the way that that um, pig farms work. I mean, I don't know if you ever been down in the south when they spray that stuff in the air. It smells so bad. And you're literally breathing fecal matter because that's the way the industry farms. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be the way that we do it. And, you know, and that's and that's the thing is, you know, I the reason I talked about last week, this this what I call COVID 1492 is we need to think about how we pull some of our practices back and we come up with native solutions right. for the problems, not rely on somebody else's idea of a solution. Look, you know, there's a couple ways that this goes. You know, as a family, I sit down with my family all the time and say, okay, where are we going? How are we going to be sustainable on ourselves and not a burden to our nation or our people and be an asset and those kinds of things? The Seneca Nation, on, on one hand, is starting to have those conversations. And this is actually throwing a, a light to it, actually a torch to it. Yeah, I'll bet. You know, um, because we were just... We, we were just asking for um, those microgrid uh, uh, programs to be really thought about and where we're going to put resources so that we can be autonomous, you know, generating our own services, taking managing our own uh, water, um, uh, you know, and, and cleaning it and whatever else we have to do, as well as, you know, ho- homes. But this farming and growing is a key product to it. And what we wanted to do is is be able to have a hub here that we could have relationships with native and non-native people, and you know, and we're not talking about saving the world. We're just saying, you know, let's us be sure that us and our neighbors start and those by people, supplementing right. some of, of some of your needs. I mean, if you, I mean, the goal should be sustainability. Right. I mean, and and we always talk about that, but. But it doesn't have to be all at once. I mean, it may seem that way because of this current circumstance, but sure. this should be a lesson. This should this should be a warning shot fired upon us to say, right. look, we, we, we have to do this. And, it, and it's not to forsake the outside. In fact, what we do here might be an example to what not only other Native communities, but non-Native communities. Sure. Do. I mean, you know, one of the things that... that you know, I, and I say it all the time because I go to New York, and I, you, you travel to New York fairly often. But I go to New York every week. Essentially, I still think it's insane that that people live in, in environments like that. For one thing, people, you know, a lot of people have, are speculating where, where did COVID nineteen coming from? Right. Come from? First off, in case you don't know what COVID nineteen means, it's coronavirus disease. And it came in uh, 2019. It came at the tail end. That's what, that's what COVID-19, just in case you're wondering. Okay, so where does it come from? Well, it, they don't know for sure. But the likelihood is because in, in some of these Chi- in cities, I mean, in Chinese cities, the, the, the city where this thing 
um, first showed itself is a city, city of 6 million people. But the outlying area is close to 60 million people. You've packed in all these people there. And you know what they bring, to, bring into, those, into those environments? Some of their cultural foods, some of their mm-hmm. traditional foods. The problem is, in order to, for those foods to be available, people are bringing them in. Some of these are, are live animals. Some of them are not live animals. Some of it's seafood. And they bring them in these huge, what they call wet markets. They're, they're, they're wet slash live markets. You created an unnatural environment where bacteria, virus, you know, uh, any number of, of, of uh, pathogens that are, that are more associated with animals get to mix. And, but human beings created that, that environment. Sure and why? They did it because it, it's an unnatural thing. Look, and, I, and I'll, my co-host in New York reminded me, well, Native people did cities too. Yes, we did. And they didn't work out very well. And they, didn't, and they didn't get wiped out because of white men showing up. Chihokia was was done before uh, first white man ever laid his eyes so, on it. It was resource uh, because it rate. didn't work, right? Yeah, you, you, you took ended, everything so close to you, and it went further and further. And now you're living. It also in a does desert. some things to human condi- human uh, thinking. I mean, this is where cultish things come up. I mean, so superstitious things. You know, this is where hierarchies and power and 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 crime. You don't have that pretty much in 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 egalitarian or in agrarian societies. You do see it when you pack people together, where there there's a, a more of a of an intense struggle for food and for. I mean, look at the homeless people in in New York City. Sure. It's incredible. So, I mean, I, I and I I want to throw this out there because it's insane. The way I mean, right, we live for the first time in human history where the majority of the population of the planet live in cities, not in not places where they where they can where they can be sustainable. Mm-hmm. But for those of us who do live in places where we could be sustainable, we got lulled into into COVID fourteen ninety two. Right, we're, we're, we've got we've got so acu- used to working for the dollar to buy the stuff and not working for the stuff, John. But you know how difficult it's been all these years. To I'm going to tell you something, and, and um, you know, not to throw the Seneca Nation on our boss, and it's like, but the foresight to be able to put a, a farm system together, and then at this point, still not having energy sustainability and those kinds of things, we're lacking. But yeah. we're lacking like a lot of other people. Like I said, is that there's generations of people that just don't seem to get it. I was brought up in in an era where people were still talking about these times were going to come. And they were talking about the environment. And it wasn't being prophetic. It was just being sensible, pragmatic. They saw. They understood that we live in a finite uh, environment and when you start using it. But they also understood a little bit about the microbial uh, life of things. And it was always going to be those things that we don't see because they were going to sneak up on us. And so now that you know how the oceans from a microbial level are starting to change and how they're not able to take stuff out of the air or put oxygen in the air and all this stuff is happening on land, some of, the, some of a lot the, of those stresses are going to come. Some in, of the people who do uh, the Ohundo Gurdiwadek or the right. you know, some of the, the older folks and the people who have the greatest language skills, they that creeps into their into, right. their, into the opening. They, they do that. You can hear them talk about though you know the powers that 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 push the plants up the power the things that give the the plants and give our lives not just our our unborn faces but we talk about the the, you know what the lightning does when it strikes the ground that's that's 
I've heard some of the uh, these gununyoks or hunda done in a way that 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 addresses that. And why? Because there was a basic a basic knowledge. We there is a science that goes with with living uh, a sustainable life. Right. It isn't just about. I mean, it isn't just subsistence. It isn't, or it isn't just survival. It's it's learning how to work, live in a, in a in a way that gives you a higher quality of life, not just barely getting by. Right. But it, again, Gaswanta, Turo. Yeah. It's not again. It's not about the European ship. It's with all of nature. Yeah. And understanding that back, um, the you know that balance. But it it's about the scene. And the unseen. And the thing that was always going to sneak up on us is the things that we couldn't see, but we needed to understand it. So maybe now we can wake up to it because it this virus is not that much different than the climate that's changing. And there are going to be more of these coming because the environment is changing. And it's well, and, changing and, 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 at levels that we can't see can't see man is is responsible for a lot of the disease that we're plagued with so whether it's diabetes whether it's cancers let's face it we we've done a lot of this and even this disease although i will not i don't don't subscribe to the this bioengineered disease that was weaponized but these naturally occurring diseases happen because we have done some unnatural living right and and i'm also going to suggest that just because something's naturally occurring doesn't mean that it doesn't get used politically Militaristically, look, smallpox sure. was a naturally occurring. I mean, it, it, it wasn't designed to do what it does, but it was naturally occurring partially because of man's behavior, but it was used as a weapon against right. tuberculosis. I mean, people forget we lost a lot of kids in those residential schools because tuberculosis was, a, was allowed to fester and spread amongst the native populations. So the idea that, that diseases like this could be weaponized if we are ill-prepared. But if we, if we improve our quality of life, if we improve our immune systems because we are living healthier, if sure. we do the right things, we, you know, that's defense too. I mean, it isn't, defense isn't just about you know, arguing that you have the right to bear an arm. Right. Here it comes, here's what it comes down to in the end too is that uh, we're, I'm starting to see, you know, sitting in a counselor's situation and, and um, um, there, there's a, a significant number of our people that aren't prepared. Oh, yeah. And, and it's like we've gotten so used to, what's the Seneca Nation going to do for me? And it's like, it's like no, you mean you'd, I just assumed that everybody was taking care of their households, that they were you know, able to ride through something like this. We're going to find out how prepared some of our individuals' uh, families are, and I'm hoping that in the end that, you know, like you said, we're going to get through this. But it's it's not up to the Seneca Nation to do everything for everybody. Well, I mean, it comes down to what is the Seneca Nation. If right. if, if the individual, if you're going to, there's always this thing that, that people look at the nation as separate from the people. Look, everybody needs to step up, and and I think people and 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 people are. I mean, I see people that are volunteering and they're trying to offer their services to to do some things. But you know what? There is no reason that in our in our language right. in, in Mohawk the word for we don't have a word for sovereignty, but we say te, uh, te tawi, and it means I, I I carry myself. Sure, we carry ourselves, and we've got to get back to the right. idea of carrying ourselves. So the nation only has so much because it operates on through dollars, right? When those get 
they said it was getting made, and I'm 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 just hoping enough in far enough families are ready to to carry themselves mm-hmm. after if it comes to that point. And you know, I'm I'm really that's that's my biggest fear is that we're not. Too many people are saying one one thing that caught me is that when we start talking about food preparation, like coming from the from the casino, casino people start saying, "Well, who's going to cook it? Where are we going?" Yeah, and it's like, "What are you talking about?" No, look, take it, it, it home. It, it's one it's one thing to, you know to prepare a box lunch, but right. some of the stuff, no. We're, we've got some stuff we can give you, but you're going to have to cook it. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that, that that we have to we have to we're going to put it in your mouth too. I mean, right. geez, come on! Look. At some point, people have to realize that there's um, we all have to step up and you know take care of ourselves and the people around us, and and then you know try to reach out and do as much we can sure. for, for our neighbors. There does have to be a stronger sense of community. But you're right; this shouldn't be looked at. We're not socialism, you know, gets this this, this connotation because people think so. Socialism doesn't mean government does it. Right. It means that you do things more communally. So you do. We have to have a stronger sense of community. Sure. We have to have a better sense for. <clears throat> look, I realize that not everybody look. can uh, can butcher a deer as well as some can. Some of us can, and some of us can't. Mm-hmm. But you know, then then that doesn't mean we all can't hunt. Right. But don't. I mean, don't just go killing a bunch of stuff and, without any any means to, to to eat it. All that being said, I I don't want to take the responsibility from the Seneca Nation is in what it's going to do to try to keep uh, dollars flowing to employees and all those kinds of things. And sir, I, I'm going to tell you right now is that we're ready to go broke, but that if that happens, you know, there's long long term uh, long term effects. Um, you know, trying to keep those dollars flowing, those kinds of things, because right now it's not coming back in. Well, you know, the the, uh, the founding fathers of the United States, you know what the one thing that they advocated strongly against was democracy. Yeah. You know why they, you know why they, John Adams, you know why he detested the idea of democracy? He says, because if you give the power of the people to depend only on the nation's treasury, right. they'll bankrupt it. There you go. And, you know, so, and it, look, I, I'm not criticizing doing annuities and that kind of stuff, but I, you know, you and I talked about this for years. And what a mistake I thought it was to, to create a situation where people depended solely on what the Seneca Nation can provide sure. them. But we were short sighted. We build, we build because we're a political entity and we never really, we, we spend. I've said it on this show many times. We spend every dollar we make. We don't. Well, we we really don't aren't doing a great job of putting money aside. Well, and and you're not the only ones. Look at the, the Pequots went bankrupt, right? Because people were trying to lend them money left and right, and they built and built and built and built until they couldn't pay for it anymore. Right. So and we're going to have a run now on some real cheap money, and it's like, does it make sense? You know, there's going to be people that are coming to the nation and saying, yeah, zero, hey, this know, is a great time to borrow. You know, yeah, and and you're right. So there's a whole lot of money that's going to be offered up, and you know what? There may be an appropriate time to do that right but you better have a long term a long-term sustainable plan for that not just spend money because it's cheap because it ain't free yes and i i agree but i've heard it before within our walls and it's like well the money's never going to be this cheap again and it's like cheap money isn't cheap it's, it's not free gotta, it it's not free let's <laughs> yeah, put yeah. it that way well and and, and again you've got to if you're not insuring and i don't mean just make more money 
because we've got to this is where we got to move away from we've got to move away from this concept that the whole of our lives sure. is about creating Look, more revenue john the quality of my life has nothing to do with uh with money it's about those things we talked about earlier it's about i'm having a good time um now because i have more time with my grandparents i have more time with my wife my my kids and then your grandparents else. had with you yeah I mean, because really? we're there and now we're we're getting yeah. there's certain chores and things we're working together we're doing things but we're hanging out and we're feeding one another and you know there's a lot of laughter and yeah. to me that's quality of life yeah i agree well ross i want i want to thank you for coming in i know this you know this is these are tough times we we gotta have you in when we can talk about lighter things than <laughs> than this perhaps but uh but no I, I appreciate you coming in um it is really important that people understand look do what you can. I mean, be be sensible with your lives. Wash your hands. You know, this may not be the best time for 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 people to visit your, your grandparents. If you're sick, then stay home. I mean, let yourself cycle through some of this stuff. Try to I mean, try to be smart. I mean, and if if you shop, don't clear everything off of a shelf. I mean, buy what you need, but don't deprive people of other stuff. I mean, look, just be sensible. Be a be a human being. Well, maybe that's not a good thing because what human beings have become isn't the best thing. I mean, <laughs> try to be a sensible human being anyway. Be be way, okay? Be be real. All right. I want I want to thank you guys for for listening again. I thank Ross John for coming in. Uh, this is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yahweh.